And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Donna Dort Donna Dort Donna Dort This is Lee Dort and I'm Donna Dunk This is Lee Dort and I'm Donna Dort I'm Josh Giddy and I'm down to dunk Hey, this is Kenny Hustle and I'm down to dunk I'm Darius Baisley and I'm down to dunk I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to dunk this is Poku, and I'm down to that. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these? I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays, my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up, Andrew? Uh, schedule drops today. There has been oh, man. no reports on Thunder Games yet because... That's, that's not true. What's not true? Has not we, true? we know what the opening game is. Well, I guess I haven't heard. Oh, well, let me break the news break to the you, news Andrew. To break the news. Uh, opening night... The Thunder, I believe it's October 19th. Mm-hmm. Double check me on that. Mm-hmm. We are playing the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, that's... In, oh, in, in Minnesota. Minnesota. Okay. Do we know the home opener? Uh, No, but we could guess. Who do you think it's going to be? It's probably not Minnesota. I know it's not Houston, because Kelly Eco uh, tweeted out all of the, the Rockets. Or I guess it could be Houston. Um, I'm going to say the home opener is against the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, no. I feel like we had a home opener against them not maybe two or three years ago. Really? Um, mm. Anyways, yeah. We will play uh, We will play all the, all the teams. We'll be... Uh, multiple play. times, I hear. Yeah, maybe more than once. Yeah. Oh my god! I just got a text message from Luke. Says uh, <laughs> it said uh, I pre-ordered Pokemon Violet. If you want to get Scarlet, we can trade in all caps. <laughs> I've never played a Pokemon game in my life. Never purchased a Pokemon game. I don't know why he's trying to get me to buy one. Not even uh, Pokemon Snap. Oh yeah, I, I okay. I played. Po- okay, okay, you got come me. On, come I really on like Pokemon now. Snap. Come on. Uh, Okay, so schedule drops. It's, you know, I, I think part of the reason why we get excited about the schedule is because we're just in the desert, you know, as far as content goes. But it's just one yeah, of those days board. that's, um, you know, it's, it's it's not like terribly exciting because it's not like there you can't be that surprised by things that are going to happen with the schedule, you know. Just no, you can't. It, I, I think it's more interesting. Sometimes you can get a general feel of like how the first ten games are going to go. Yes. yes. Although last year, remember, we thought, I believe we thought the schedule looked super hard, and then we like picked up that Lakers game, 
You know, like all of a sudden the Lakers didn't look like a threat mm-hmm. within like a couple games. And yeah. then they go and beat them in L.A. And so all of a sudden the what we thought the strength of schedule was just completely changed. Yeah. Also, remember they got just dismantled by the Rockets early on last season. And it felt they like, got dismantled a lot. It felt at the beginning of the season. It felt like this is gonna they're gonna win four games. You know, after the, after they got beat by Christian Wood and the Rockets in Houston, I just remember thinking like, "Holy smokes, they're the worst team in the NBA." <laughs> in the NBA. And then they turned it around. It didn't take that long for them to. They played. Yeah, because they played well. Listen to like these the six first years. ten games. Yeah, they played the Jazz. Yeah. Obviously, we thought we were good. Rockets, Sixers, Warriors, Lakers, Warriors, Clippers, Lakers, Spurs, Pelicans. We were looking at that like, oh my gosh, if we win two games, yeah, that would be impressive. And they came out of that four and six. Yeah, they beat the Lakers twice, the Spurs, and the Pelicans. Yeah. yeah. So we tell ourselves that we know things when the schedule does come out, and then it ends up being completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, holy moly! Uh, okay. Summers of Sam, Volume 4. Volume 4, and this is going to be a rough one. We'll start there. Uh, you know, the plan was to do three last week yeah. so that you would end with 2015 because, as you will soon find out, 2015 is kind of underrated in how bad it oh was. Oh, my word. It when you factor weird. in everything that happened. Yeah. And then we're going to do 2016, which obviously, like, if we only got two done last week, I mean, 2016 is one of the biggest ones. So we're probably only going to do those two. So just fair warning... That this will not be the most fun episode. Although I gotta say, Andrew, with the KD stuff, which we will obviously get to, I don't, I don't. It doesn't hurt me. It doesn't uh, like hurt me anymore. It maybe I've just like built up uh, like armor. Yeah, it doesn't but hurt it, me. It, I don't. Either. I don't feel anything anymore when I when I read about it. I think it's also partially the way that it turned out too. Absolutely. Because I, and and who he's become. Yeah, learning who Kevin really is. It's it's you almost look back and think, oh, okay, yeah, this was gonna happen. You know. Yes, exactly. Like, oh, he definitely he was always going to leave. Like knowing who Kevin Durant is now, like yeah. that guy staying in Oklahoma City for his entire career was never going to happen. No, no, it was not going to happen. Whether I mean, he could have signed the deal and then asked to be traded. You know, a year into it. You know, which would yeah. have been better for the Thunder, but still, it was going to happen. And I, I clip some stuff. I have a few clips that I'm going to play. I I don't know that anybody could stomach listening to Kevin talk at that Warriors press conference, but it's just so funny in hindsight. Look, you know, watching it and thinking like this is going to, you know, I don't know that anybody was sitting back thinking like this is going to fall apart in a couple years. I, we're, we're jumping way ahead, but I didn't write this down, so I'll say it now. But when Bob Myers, part of his pitch to him was like, listen, without you, we can win one or two. You know, without us, you'll probably win one. But together, we'll win so many. And they end yeah. up, you know, winning two. They got two. KD. And, and two is not easy, but two with that team was it pretty easy. Is a huge, yeah, because the over-under, if you had gone into that, you would have said at least two and a half. Oh, Oh, Maybe I even said three over. and a half. Yeah, I would have said over. Easy. I would have said they're probably going to win four or five titles. They're probably and they're going to like be chasing, you know, the six that you know MJ had. You know, yeah. but this is this is Kevin. We we got to know Kevin a little bit through the years. Uh, but before we get there, we have to go through 2015. We do. 
which is a year. Okay. <laughs> so 2015, just some context. So this is the year OKC misses the playoff. Yeah. They lose the tiebreaker to the Pelicans. And I think it's kind of underrated how close that could have been. Yeah. Obviously, there were so many injuries this year, but they finished that season four and seven. Yeah. If they just win one more game, one they game. go five and six, was, they make the playoffs. Yes. And don't get campaign. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but they would have made the playoffs. They would have kept their playoff streak alive. Yeah. The other the other context for this is that, you know, Golden State at this time is about to win the title with Draymond Green as a center. Yeah. Which is going to completely change the way the entire league thinks about centers. Yeah. I mean, we just came off the drafts where, you know, well, uh, in this draft, Jaleel Okafor is about to go very high. He's going to go number three. But, like, we're coming off the draft where Cantor's going really high. Obviously, the Thunder just drafted Steven Adams at number 11. Like, centers were still a huge deal even going into this draft, Mm -hmm. the 2015 draft. But that's all going to change, like, in, in a year, within a year. Yeah. So that's just some context for this. So first, let's just start with the trades because this summer saw Sam Presti kind of give up on a lot of guys. Yeah. We kind of oh shut the door on a lot of the guys that we had, were really high on, thought they were going to be the ones to make us forget about the Harden trade. <sighs> and that was Jeremy Lamb being yep. traded to Charlotte for Luke Ridnour and a 2016 second. We then traded Luke Ridnour plus cash for a TPE uh, to Toronto for uh, Tomislav Zukic. And Ridnour was traded like two or three more times that summer, right? He was. Very yeah. rude of the league. Yeah. And then we traded Perry Jones plus cash plus a 2019 second, which became Isaiah Roby, to wow. Boston mm-hmm. for a 2018 second, which became Kevin Hervey. So then eventually that 2019 second must have gone to Dallas, and then they draft Roby, and then we and get Roby. We get him anyways. Yeah. But yeah, this, this was kind of like... Uh, okay, that didn't work type of summer. Because <laughs> I mean, those two names, Jeremy Lamb, Perry Jones, at different points, we were very high on both oh, of those guys. Well, they were the future. That was Thunder U Thunder at the end of the bench. They were our, like, Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga. Like, we're keeping this yes, thing going they really, Honestly, they, they really kind of were. Man, I was looking back <laughs> through some game logs last night um, that you mentioned that they, you know, went four and six in their last few games, but the Thunder lost to this Pacers team, this this miserable Pacers team, by twelve points. This Pacers the Pacers were thirty seven and forty three. This is one of their last games they played. In that game, Russ had fifty four points on forty three shots. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just insane. Their starting lineup was Russ, Dion Cantor, Adams, Robertson. Wow, that that actually is a lot closer to that MVP season than I thought the roster was by that point. Yeah, I mean... It was basically there. I mean, it's unbelievable that he was even able to get 43 shots with essentially nobody that could shoot the ball. You know, that's interesting because we'll eventually get to it, but, you know, Westbrook signs an extension after KD leaves... Yeah. And you have to imagine part of the pitch from Oklahoma City is like this is going to be your team. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get to do what you want. And it was this year where he really got the first taste of that, yeah. where he got like extended run without KD, was able to do something like put up 43 shots in a single game, 
he got that little taste and you wonder if that influenced his, his thought process. He was like, Ooh, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I like going four and seven at the end of the year. 51.4% uh, usage rate in that game. Wow. Wow. That's uh that's rust to the max lost by 12. Um, so yeah, so those trades happened by that point. I, I don't think anyone was surprised, but it was more just like, well, this is the end of this this little experiment. Yeah, at that point, they needed just like the roster spots. Like, give, give me a roster spot instead of these dudes. Is kind of how it yeah. felt because they weren't they weren't giving the team anything by that point. I mean, I just read you the the these lineups at the end of the season. Like, you should have one of those guys in one of those slots if they had actually progressed, but they hadn't. Yeah, and you wonder. I don't know if we've ever gotten the full story on Jeremy Lamb because obviously he becomes like a serviceable. NBA rotation player yeah. in Charlotte and then in Indiana. I think now he's in Sacramento. Um, it just didn't work out. Whereas Perry Jones just like didn't work out anywhere. But yeah. Jeremy Lamb did eventually become an NBA player. He should have been somebody that came off the bench and played for them. I mean, the, the guys that were playing off the bench for them that season when I listed that kind of gross, clunky roster at the, <laughs> there, it was DJ Augustine, Anthony Morrow, Kyle Singler. Like those are the guys that were playing over Jeremy Lamb. Yeah, I mean, shout out to Anthony Morrow; he's great. Yeah, I uh, can't say anything wrong about him. Um, this was this was the first like thirty game experiment of Kyle Singler. It was after the trade deadline deal. It was, which which we'll get back to that. Yeah, um, when we get to the free agency. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Jeremy Lamb, the version of him that he became in Charlotte, like his peak year in Charlotte, he averaged fifteen points a game. Took four threes per game, hit thirty five percent. The year before, he, he hit thirty seven percent. Like that, that player would have played on the Thunder. Yeah, he should have been able to. Although, like, but, has he played for a winning team? Uh, he may have in Indiana that twenty nineteen team. Twenty nineteen, um, they were forty. Yeah, they were forty five and twenty eight. But we were obsessed with how sleepy he always was. He's sleepy. He's a sleepy boy. That's okay. He's a sleepy guy. Um, Okay, so then the draft. We get to the draft. And this is kind of exciting because, hey, we have this kind of random down year. Yeah. And we got a lottery pick. Like, we're getting Kevin Durant back next year. Guys. Okay. And we're going to get a draft pick, a lottery draft pick in this draft. Mm -hmm. And now this was one of the first times I can remember where – it felt set in stone pretty early. Mm-hmm. Like you started hearing the campaign rumors pretty early in the process. I'm going to read you some of the uh, comments. So these are from mock drafts in the weeks leading up to the draft. The first is from Jonathan Wasserman, yep. a Bleach Report. He uh, First of all, he had Jaleel Okafor going two. I just wanted to bring that up because there were multiple mocks that had Okafor going two to the Lakers like days before the draft, which is so weird because my memory is that like they were always taking Lonzo. That's kind of what I had thought too. But a lot of people had Okafor and everyone in their little uh, blurbs would be like, I don't know how it's going to work with Julius Randle. And it's like, we wouldn't. That's probably why they're not going to take him. Okay. But number 14 campaign, there could be teams looking to swap with the Thunder in an attempt to land Cameron Payne. Mm Mm-hmm. The Phoenix Suns may even be a threat to grab him at number 13. But if Payne in there and the Thunder on the clock, look for them to pull the trigger. So Wasserman knew. KOC also had Cameron Payne going at number 14. 
Payne's draft stock has bounced around the lottery, but it's beginning to look like he could slide to the Thunder. Slide! Slide! I remember like, Usually the Usually when Pacers you slide, you're him. sliding down. I remember the Pacers wanted him that... at 11 is what I remember from that. And I was kind of uh, I, I was kind of out on... I, I didn't love the Payne pick. It was fine at the yeah. time. But, you know, I and I guess I just didn't really even like this draft all that much, which kind of checks out beyond Devin Booker, you know. Right. Uh, he said, uh, it's beginning to look like he could slide to the Thunder. One of the first teams who so- showed interest in the small school point guard, Payne could come in and push Russell Westbrook off the ball <laughs> for portions of the game. <laughs> who said, who wrote that? Uh, KOC. Payne KOC. could push. Russ, Russ might play off ball. He might move to an off ball position. I think, Russ read, I think Russ read that and he decided to uh, just, I, th- I think he, he injured said, Cam. I think that's what happened. You're only go- I'm only letting you dance. And that is it. Right. This is going to be your only role on this team. <laughs> and then uh, and then Chad oh, Ford yeah. said, as for the Thunder, since late last week, there's been a lot of buzz among rival GMs that the Thunder promised campaign. They'd take him at 14. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of that is smoke, but he is a great fit at 14. And talent-wise, he may be the best pure point guard in the draft. I remember wanting, of course, Kelly Oubre Jr. Yes. Now, not of course, I did not know Tsunami Poppy at that point. I had, right. I had no idea the legend of Tsunami Poppy. Mm-hmm. I purely was thinking at this point, KD's <laughs> free agency is coming up next year. We need to do anything this we is can a DC do to native. make yeah. Kevin Durant happy. And he knows Kelly Oubre Jr. Mm-hmm. And it's a range where everyone's agreeing he should go. So why don't we just take him? Yeah. And we'll get another wing in here. And honestly, it wouldn't have been a bad pick. Like, it would have been a fine pick. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you look, Maybe his career is better if he starts out with a team like Oklahoma City. You know, rather than... Yeah, maybe. Maybe, you know, the, the Wizards have been a mess for a long time. I remember really liking Jerry and Grant. Um, oh, really? I also like Justin Anderson, too. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, a lot of people like Justin Anderson. He shot the ball really well at Virginia and... Turns out it was not not a real thing, uh, for sure. Then there were these wings like in the middle of the lottery, or kind of like toward the top of the lottery, like Justice Winslow and Stanley Johnson and Mario Hazonia. We were just like, man, if we could just get one of those guys, you know, it's like it turns out like none of those guys mattered either. <laughs> I know it's weird. Uh, in retrospect. You know, I want to tell myself, oh, we were one away from Devin Booker. At the time, I don't remember thinking that way. Like, I was not, mm. like, I would have been happy with Devin Booker, but I was not thinking, like, we need to do everything we can to get Devin Booker. Yeah, he he was thought of as, like, uh, Anthony Morrow type of guy. Like, not a defender, but he was really young. He was, like, he was 18. I think he was the youngest guy yeah. that was selected in the lottery that night not a defender and not a playmaker he, he was kind of right. like presented as like just this pure shooting guy yeah and i came off the bench for kentucky i mean there were just like a lot of things that were just like uh, i don't know it was hard to tell you know what he wasn't a guy that people obviously that even teams were in love with because he went 13th you know he should yeah gone, he should have gone too he should have gone, i remember gone. uh david Locke being so excited about trey lyles <laughs> for a for a little for a little while he was yeah <laughs> he was super stoked yeah um but yeah like the the middle part of that draft you know justice winslow miles turner trey lyles devin booker campaign kelly Oubre. i mean those are guys who all stayed in the league i believe yeah. are all still in the league i think trey lyles is still in the league and and yeah. terry rogier he went 16 mm-hmm. after that man rashad vaughn 
who I remember only because advanced stats wise, he had like one of the worst rookie seasons I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, Sam Decker, Jerry and Grant, DeLon Wright still in the league, Justin Anderson, Bobby Portis, Ronda Hollis Jefferson, who we wanted for years and years and years for some reason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in retrospect, why were we so obsessed with Ronda Hollis Jefferson? We already had no Ronda Hollis Jefferson. Yes. We had a, a real, uh, ver- like a really good version of him. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Tyus Jones, nice pick. Yeah. Uh, Jarrell Martin, Nikola Milutinov, Larry Nance Jr., R.J. Hunter, who I was a huge fan of. Boston yeah. took him at 28. And the big the big thing on draft night, I remember, is like, you know, if Boston had just flipped their two picks, you know, if they had taken R.J. Hunter at 16 and Terry Rozier at 28, this would have made a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> Rozier was a reach on draft night. Like, he was supposed to go oh, like big time. mid to late 20s. We're like, <laughs> I can't believe they would do something like that. It's like, oh, it turns out he would have been. Yeah, who did, who did, who would we have even wanted them to take? I'm looking at these names. Like, who know, who did they pass on at the time? Justin Anderson uh, probably is a guy that we were like, oh, why didn't they take Justin? Like, was, this draft is really bad. This is a really bad draft. And like last week, we talked about how they took uh, Josh Hustis, you know, at 29. Yeah, and then you just have this run of good players in the second. You know, if you take Josh Eustace in this draft at 29, you don't really feel too bad because the <laughs> second round picks in this draft, you know, it's like Rashawn Holmes, Montrez Harrell, Norman Powell. And, you know, then you get to guys like Pat Connaughton, Josh Richardson. Like, there's some okay players. Yeah. But there are more blank spaces on this basketball reference page than any other draft I've seen in terms of, like, guys who never played a single game in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. It is, and the Thunder weird. did have a pick in the second, and they we did. took Dakari Johnson. They did cigar, Dakari the, Johnson, the uh, human victory cigar, cigar, Cigari Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Um. So the, at the end of that draft, everyone kind of liked it for the Thunder. NBA Draft.net gave it a B plus. Bleacher Report B plus. USA Today A. I think it was just a. Uh, he was the obvious pick. We had been conditioned by this point. He's going to be the pick. And I, I don't, I still don't really understand like the pitch for Cameron Payne mm-hmm. because we had Reggie Jackson still yeah. at that point. And we also had brought in Dion waiters. We didn't have Reggie Jackson because they had just traded. They had traded him in the. Oh, game that's deal. right. Okay, so he. Okay, so he was the replacement for Reggie Jackson. Yeah, I mean, you look at his raw numbers at Murray State: twenty points, three point seven boards, six assists. You know, almost two steals per game. Yeah. You know, and you know there have been guys and like like Dame and CJ that have played at these smaller schools that you could probably like draw lines to and be like, if he could be like CJ, you know. Which they're probably like pretty similar players in college. That if we could get that kind of player here, you know, obviously that would be incredible. And if he comes off the bench and he scores, and you know, the problem was like he he wasn't very athletic. He got hurt, and you know that can just dis- dismantle a guy's career, and it did. And you know, credit to to Cam because he battled back and eventually ends up on the Suns and. Um, made the finals. Made the NBA finals as like a key contributor. Like that's great. But it it just took him a while to figure it out. Yeah. Um so it, it's a disappointing pick, but as we just went over, it's you know, it's like we missed on Kelly Oubre Jr. You know, like the, it, it's not like we missed out on Giannis. 
Yeah, in, in, or in like Rozier, if like, and Rozier again was a reach. Then if they took him at fourteen, people would have lost their minds. We would have lit their hair on fire. If, yes, if the, if we would have taken Terry Rozier at fourteen, which would smell terrible. Smell terrible. I don't know if you've ever lit hair on fire it's disgusting. disgusting it's it's disgusting it would have been the right pick however because rosier is like rosier's a good player he's really good for charlotte yeah i feel like him and russ would have gotten along well <laughs> or would have hated each other or, or yeah 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 <laughs> one of the two uh okay so that's the draft and like you know obviously we, we didn't get a hit there we missed this opportunity to use a lottery pick but it's not a huge drop off so i'm not like knocking them as much as I might a previous draft. Yeah, and and part of me wanted, like in hindsight, I'd be like, man, they should have just really tanked. What if they end up at like eight? Where like Willie Cauley-Stein, Emmanuel Moutier, Stanley Johnson, Frank Kaminsky, Justice Winslow. Like that's the range at eight. So, yeah, and like you hope they take Winslow in that instance. Yeah. But, but if, he's not going to like solve. Uh, he would have He would have helped. Like th- there were definitely times when Justice Winslow... I mean, the Grizzlies, like, still, even like two years ago, were ready to, like, commit to Justice Winslow. Yeah. So he had a, his moment. But still, like, are you confident he would have done something for this team? Like, I'm, it's hard to be confident that he would have got off the bench for them, you know? And, and the problem that season was they were just too good to even, like, pretend to tank. Yes. Like, like they were like the Suns were at 13. They were 6 games up on the Suns. Like it wasn't like it was super close. Right. Yeah, I know. So and, and like Porzingis was a guy that like Sam was like rumored to really want. Yes, big you know, time. And he went number 4. They were hoping that he would have been in the previous draft when he would have gone in the 20s and they would try to get him then. Uh, but yeah, this is brutal. I also really I remember really liking Mario Hazonia. Um, yeah, at least the stories that I read about him. Yeah, Mario Sonia averaged five points a game before that draft for FC Barcelona. I was a big uh, Emmanuel Moutier guy. I remember Chad yeah. Ford wrote a big long article about Moutier. Yeah, and it uh, and it and it sold me. So that was the draft, and you're like, okay, it wasn't great, but there wasn't a huge drop off. Then we get to the free agency because yeah. they actually did a lot in free agency this yeah. summer. Yeah, one one of their most active free agency seasons. Now, first they signed Josh Eustace mm-hmm. because remember they drafted him and he played for twenty five thousand dollars in the in the D League <laughs> at the time, and they 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 finally make good on their promise. I don't, I'm assuming it was a promise. Josh finally got off him, of food stamps and now he's on the Thunder. He got a multi year contract. Yeah, very exciting for Josh Eustace and like obviously like changed his life because now he's out of the NBA. But he was able to, I think he made over $3 million in the NBA. Yeah. So, like, it's amazing. Great for him. Ended up being a good idea yeah. for him to do that draft and stash, even though it was very risky. Because if he had gotten hurt at any point during the D League, it kind of throws it all out the window. You wonder if the Thunder would have still done something. But the bigger news is the Kyle Singler deal first. Yep. So, Kyle Singler, they traded for him. And, uh, they traded for him that you know in that that trade deadline deal featuring uh, Tears of Joy, Reggie Jackson going yep. to the Detroit Pistons, yep. and it was exciting because he was a wing, good size for a wing, mm-hmm. and had been a really good shooter for the Pistons. Now he comes to the Thunder and he gets a thirty-game run. 
Okay, here we go. Let's see what we got. And uh, it wasn't good. <laughs> but what's crazy is that it would somehow get much, much worse. It gets like, much if worse. he had just been the guy he had been those first 30 games, would it have been great? No. But it was, like, fine. Yeah. This was uh, – here's a, a video of Kyle after the season. This was his thoughts on if he wanted to be back with the Thunder. Oh, yeah. I want to be back for sure. Um, this is the type of environment that I think I thrive in. Wrong. Lie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I, I found a few, so they give him five years, $25 million, which at that time, like it, it was not the, the money necessarily. It was the yeah. fact that they had given him five years. Now the fifth year was a team option, but still five years w- were there really people banging down Kyle Singler's door, trying to give him a five-year deal. Well, according to Royce Young, the number of potential suitors played a role in Presti acting quickly quote, Singler drew quite a bit of interest from other teams, which added incentive for the Thunder to get a deal done directly with him so as to remove the danger of a high-level offer sheet tempting him. Uh, Still, this is continuing on, still the push to add Singler is a bit peculiar, especially when you consider this quote from Barry Trammell of the Oklahoman on the forward's potential role next season. Singler is Durant's backup, but in truth, Anthony Morrow, Deion Waiters, and DJ Augustine figure to get more playing time. Unless Donovan banishes Andre Robertson, there's no reason to think single will rise above 11th in Thunder Minutes played, which Barry kind of nailed that. Yeah. That is what happened. I looked it up. I think he ended up 10th in, in Thunder Minutes played. Yeah. If you look at season. if you look at uh, Singler's last year in Detroit, is this like the first 54 games of that season, he was 40% from three on three and a half attempts per game. Yeah. I mean, shot the ball well and, you know, only averaged seven points a game. So, like, he was just basically out there just shooting threes, only played 20 minutes a game. But then, like, that first full year of 15-16, he was 30% from three on 1.4 attempts per game. Um, You know, I had actually thought in his first, like, it ended up being 26 games when he came over after the trade deadline. I thought he shot 33% from three. He shot 37%. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, he also shot twenty eight percent from two point range. He did, which seems difficult to do. Effective field goal percentage of forty three percent. So he still wasn't good, but he was shooting his or he was hitting his threes. And yeah, then he comes back that next year, and that was the year I wrote a Reddit post at that time about yeah. Kyle Singler because he had been that bad. Yeah, especially early on in that season. These these stats like mask how bad it was. Oh yeah. These stats look bad. I almost want to go back and look at cuz this was 2015-16. Yeah. Oh my gosh. His yeah. like first like 20 games. Let's see let's see what we got there. Um yeah, it it was it was rough. You totally understand why they did it cuz yeah. we we definitely did need a player like that. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah, but 15 16 he played 977 minutes 16 17 385 minutes 17 18 59 minutes yeah so <laughs> those like... first okay so they sign him to this five-year 25 million dollar deal they come into the next season in his first 18 games he shoots 24 percent from the field 19 percent from three 50 percent 
from the line. And I believe that is when I wrote my post Yeah, uh, where, where I created the singular zone, which is when your field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and free throw percentage don't add up to 100, which is really hard to do. It's very rare. <laughs> oh, yeah. I want to be back for sure. Um, this is the type of environment that I think I thrive in. And, of course, he, he was kind of a quirky character. And if he's shooting yeah. 40% from three... We're we're embracing that quirkiness, but it started to become this like weird like thing where oh. like, we were obsessed with the float tank, the float tank, yes, and the cupping. He would he would show up to games with just just all these like marks all over him, and you're just like, what is it? What's this guy even doing? Is kind of how you felt. And it all and it all uh, you know kind of like uh, ends in your question at yeah. the following year. It's this, true. This, this was exit interviews, right? Or was this, so this media was day the media following day? Year? This was media day the following year. Yeah, I asked him how he could justify his play. And he, to his credit, answered the question. That he yeah, I mean, never had an issue. I mean, he's, by all accounts, great guy. He's a very nice guy. Yes. Yeah, he was always good to people, but bad on the court. He did not thrive. <laughs> good to people, bad to the team. Yeah. good. Very to rude yeah. what he did. To it was. Team. I agree. Uh, but yeah, and, and the reason why this, because remember the context of this, like Durant is coming off an injury. We just fired Scott Brooks. In fact, I should add that in as part of this discussion. Yeah. Scott Brooks gets fired. They hire Billy Donovan. Mm-hmm. You know that you have this one year window yep. with Kevin Durant and it feels like the team is finally like going all in, mm-hmm. you know, they make all the big moves at the deadline. They bring Kyle Singler, they bring in Dion De- waiters. They also bring in Ennis Cantor. Mm hmm. From the Utah Jazz, and April 2015, okay? April 2015. So this is before the summer. This is a quote about the upcoming free agent class. Cantor is expected to command a contract that carries at least a $12 million annual salary. That sounds very nice. That That figure could potentially shoot, though, as high as $15 million annually. What if it went that high? It felt insane. That'd be crazy. It felt insane at the time. And what would happen is that the Portland Trailblazers would decide to give him a max offer sheet, a four-year, $70 million deal with a player option in year four and a 15% trade kicker. A team that just that just that offseason traded for Mason Plumley, signed Al Farouk Aminu, signed Ed Davis, had Myers Leonard and Noah Vonley, who they were excited about at the time, on the roster. Yep. They had plenty of bigs, is my point. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. They were trying to screw over the Thunder, and credit to them, they did a great job. Like whenever you you hear people talk about why, like why does Sam want guys to get to restricted free agency? Like this is like this is a great example of it, you know. And for the Thunder, they had to match because you only have that salary slot. If they let Canner go, it's not like they could just go grab somebody off the free agency scrap heap and bring them in, or just like trade somebody. Like you you couldn't you know, repeat that salary slot in any way. Right. So you had to re-sign him. Everybody freaked out about it. But you had to do it because without Canner, you don't get Mello. Without that, you don't get Schroeder and whatever. You know, like you had to keep that slot open because you can't, there's no other way to upgrade the roster unless you have that salary slot there. Yeah, and I think that, and obviously you can make the argument that the following playoffs – in the Spurs series, Cantor was hugely important. Oh, he was great. He was really, but, really good for them. Yeah. But. 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 It's a big they but. did not make the finals. And looking back, 
making one of your big all-in moves another center when you when you were about to give Stephen Adams a four-year, hundred million dollar deal, mm-hmm. locking up that much money in guys who can only really play center. I know that in the Spurs series we had some twin towers action. Yeah, but in general, knowing that Golden State is about to win, I mean, we we know that they didn't know that he's yeah. about to win with Draymond Green at center, mm-hmm. putting that much money into centers, yeah. traditional centers. That's where you wonder, like, yes, I totally agree on the idea that they needed that that roster spot, you wonder if there were any other options, which we do know one of the options was Brooke Lopez, which again is kind of like the same question. This is still the same thing. Yeah. But if Brooke, Brooke, but Brooke developed a three pointer, he developed a three pointer. He was, and he was a good defender too. It was also a part of that. Like the only defensive, I mean, the only thing he, that Cantor could do is just rebound, you know, and he could defend guys in the low post, but there was nobody playing in the low post to guard, you know, so people yeah. would just cook him, and it was, it was a problem. But like, Cantor's a good player. He was a really good player for the Thunder. He just once you get to the playoffs, especially deep into the playoffs, I mean the the can't play Cantor clip is. I mean that's a, a part of like Cantor's legacy. You know, it's just that's. And just, obviously they they would have never known that Portland would do this type of deal. Although yeah. I will say that Portland did do something very similar to this in 2012 with Roy Hibbert. Yeah. Also offered him a max deal. Now, back then, the thought was, oh, they actually do want Roy Hibbert. But if they had known, you obviously don't give up a first-round pick for him at the trade deadline because who else is going to be offering him a max contract? Like, if you really want him that bad, you'll probably be able to get him in free agency, in restricted free agency. Because guess what? The Utah Jazz didn't want him. Right. They were not going to match that deal Mm -hmm. if you throw it out there. So it's, it's less about matching this deal from Portland. Because as as you said, I, I agree. Like they kind of had to do it. Yeah. It's more about the steps that led them to being backed into this corner where they had to give Ennis Cantor, their second center, mm-hmm. a huge max deal. Mm-hmm. Now there were some reactions I found at Sam underscore Vicini. <laughs> oh God, that's so much money for Cantor. <laughs> uh, Zach Lowe immediately after the, the offer sheet went out, said OKC will likely match and then look to deal. Novak, Augustine, PJ3 for $0, but Portland is forcing their hand. Lots of teams were rooting for this. They were rooting for this. Mm. And then I read the post on Blazer's Edge immediately after the thing was made. They were, like, not worried at all. They were like, oh, well, we're, we're obviously just doing this to mess with OKC. Mm-hmm. Like, there was not even – they didn't even entertain the idea that Portland would want – and his canter, which is funny because obviously he ends up playing for them in just a few seasons. Yeah, and beating the Thunder in a playoff series and with him starting. <laughs> and, and embarrassing us. Yes. And embarrassing us, yeah, that's right. Oh, that was bad. So that was 2015. And I would, it's like there were no, there were no individual moves that were as bad as some of the moves we've talked about in previous summers. Right. But each of them feel like their own little missed opportunity for something. Yeah. If yeah. you just turn one of these a little bit better, maybe just get things play some out wing shooter that can actually play for you. Yeah. You know, that's what they were missing. And they still almost made the finals. And they still almost made the, and they were still and they were still on 3 1. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So how do you grade the twenty fifteen offseason? I mean it's gotta be like a D minus. Really? Know? That bad? After everything we just said. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious, because I was about to go like C-minus. 
Okay, well, talk me into it being better than a D minus. Well, just because of everything we said, like if you're just grading it on this off season, yeah. Really, the only bad bad move was the Kyle Singler deal. Yeah, but what like, contribute? I mean, they they brought back Cantor. I guess. I mean, maybe I could bump it up to a C just because you maintain that salary slot. You kind of like like you said, you have to do it. Like I'm not, I can't punish them in this off season for yeah. what they did at the trade deadline. Yeah, I know it. The problem is that they just didn't. There was no difference makers. You know, you had just like a lot of just blah, just thrown onto the end of your roster. And honestly, if they win one more game against the Warriors, even if they lose in the finals, like yeah. the Cantor deal and the Dion Waiters deal seem incredible in retrospect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe not incredible, but they see, they're passable. <laughs> passable. Okay. All right. So you're going D minus. I'm going C minus. It wasn't great. And, and probably the most important reason that it's worth going lower is because this was the final offseason before. 2016 yes. we will now be getting to do you want to take a break we should probably take a break also okay. just a warning to everybody as we head into the summer of 2016 there's going to be uh-huh. if you just can't handle it that's okay you can but, but hey unlike these other summers there's some really good stuff that happened in the summer too this is true so think about it that way that's true it, it's it set us up we were building up for a massive fall so get ready for that right after this break and we're back after that quick break um yeah this was this was an eventful summer there are some interesting things that happened this summer um and yeah i think that the the durant deal is like all we think about when we think about 16 but there was a ton that happened this summer yeah so we got to start off with draft night we're going into this without a pick Yes, you know we, we we had given away our pick. I think this pick was from the Dion Waiters trade. Yeah, um, and so we didn't have a pick. We're not really thinking. You know, we, we don't we don't know what's going to happen. We're just like, what can we do to add to this team that just got to the Western Conference Finals game seven? And then Mark Spears on the day of the draft comes out and says the Thunder is shopping. I can't remember. Are, are you supposed to use Thunder as plural or singular? It always feels depends weird on when who. I use uh, it as honestly, it depends on the outlet. I think the. I think the Oklahoman yeah. does it differently than the Athletic does it. Okay. Uh, the Thunder is shopping big man Serge Ibaka on this draft day. Yeah. A source said. Now, we explode. Is this possible? Why would they do this? Do they know that KD's already leaving? They're already blowing things up, Andrew. Royce Young comes out. Calm us down. Mm-hmm. Tweets out, don't know what the Thunder are doing with Ibaka, but I doubt it's to get into the draft. Like everyone else, they fancy Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. And so- then our... I remember I was I was working at at my old job and Michele and I were texting and Michele was like the Thunder loved Demonis Bonus. I was like, well, are you what? It's like how how do they even get him? Like it doesn't even make any sense. They're gonna try to baka for Sabonis, like they're not gonna do that. And he's like, I'm just telling you. And this was before these reports came out, and I was like Wow. So you, you had no, inside I had an inside, inside scoop from Michele Barron. Did, did you ever reveal your scoop? I don't know that I did at the time. No. Um, I think we're far enough out to reveal this, hopefully. <laughs> but, yeah, I think I, well, I think people knew that Michele was scouting Sabonis at that time. Yeah. And the 
there was like real interest from the Thunder in trying to get him. And I couldn't like connect it in my head how they would actually make it happen. And yeah, it was it was a it was a bizarre night. And if they did end up getting Jimmy Butler, I mean that would have been pretty awesome. It's almost like skipping a step, you know, from what they did from the Orlando Packers to Paul George. You know, they would have just like immediately gotten Jimmy Butler. Um which yeah. would have been kind of interesting. But if you look back at the original Jimmy Butler deal, that would have been hard to match because they gave up Zach Levine, the number five pick, which I think Chris Dunn, and then yeah. one other player. It was the pick for Larry um, Markkinen. Oh, they gave him two picks for that? I'm pretty sure. Oh, my. Isn't that yeah, right? Yeah, we would have never matched that. Um, John Hamm. Familiar with John Hamm? I know John Hamm. Well, it depends he, on which one. Uh, he tweeted out a quote from Woj. This was the day of the draft. Woj said, OKC not anywhere close to trading Ibaka. Fielding calls, not making them. So, like, obviously on Thunder Twitter at that time, we were kind of denying that this was even possible because, first of all, how would how, how would you know anything about OKC? You know, we still thought of them as this, like, super lockdown organization. Yeah. And uh, that just... Was the, it was it turned out to be true and I remember when the original deal came over yeah the 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 line came over the line was revealed was tweeted out my immediate reaction because it didn't say Victor Oladipo and yeah. I immediately retweeted Vic Vic is coming yeah because I, because again this is one of those guys along with Bradley Beal mm. that we had heard for years that the Thunder liked yeah and we didn't know this a bonus thing well you knew it at the time but it really makes sense in retrospect because oh, yeah. two guys that they really liked and they were getting them. Interestingly, the deal was not finished until after the pick was made. Yeah. So you kind of wonder like what, what those neg- negotiations were like. It was obviously with Rob Hennigan, mm-hmm. who is now with the Thunder. Yep. But yeah. It was an incredible it was, it, trade. An incredible trade. This is where Sam has done so well. Uh, and we'll talk about this in the future, but like, he knows right when to trade a veteran. You know, he's shown that over and over again, you know, with Serge and with Russ and the way that he's dealt with these guys. I mean, he dealt Serge at the exact right time. He had like, this was peaky Baca. Like, and he had just, you like, know, he just had like just gotten over the peak, I guess, and was about to head down. And they, well, it's, they got it's max value say that. for him. It's funny you say that because <laughs> reading some of the responses to this trade, a lot of it was how Abaka had had a down year, yeah, which he had. Like he he dropped off. Like he the previous couple of years, thirteen points per game, fifteen points per game, fourteen points per game, then twelve points per game, mm-hmm. three point shooting, thirty five percent, thirty eight percent, thirty eight percent, thirty three percent. So he'd had like this weird year, and there were reports afterwards that he wasn't happy with his role yeah. on the team, and that he wanted. <laughs> I mean, I think everyone remembers how like. The idea, part of the idea of him going to Orlando was that he was going to like expand his offensive game. Oh yeah, I remember. I mean, I guess, I guess not peak of his like play, but maybe peak of his value. Yeah, because how in the world can you can you trade Victor Oladipo and Demonis Sabonis for like a starting level four? But man, he just was not, not what they thought he would be. And again, like all of this is the context of centers in the league. 
Like this is a team in Orlando who had Nikola Vucevic and had just brought in Bismack Biombo. Mm-hmm. Again, Surge, Surge, please, some team play him at small ball five, <laughs> please, <laughs> for the love of God. And still, we weren't doing it. No, he never really, no. he never really did. And you wonder, you know, I need to maybe ask around as to like why that never happened. Um, I don't know. Maybe he didn't. Maybe it was the screening that people didn't like from him. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Like he just he seemed like the perfect guy from twenty like eleven on. Like we're yeah. already, this is twenty sixteen. We've had several years to to start him at center. You know, it should have been Kevin and Serge and then find a big wing. You know, instead it's we're going the opposite direction. We're having two other bigs on this team that are gonna play you know a huge chunk of minutes and for Orlando it was not just oh we're bringing on this team who has a ton of bigs we're also going to move Aaron Gordon back down to the three mm-hmm. another guy who definitely should be playing before jumbo and, and had been playing the four that season and people were getting excited about it and now it was like well Abaka's going to be here we got to move him back to the three all of this to try and make the playoffs Orlando mm-hmm. wins 29 games that season They trade Ibaka at the deadline to Toronto for Terrence Ross and a 2017 first, which was going to be the worst of Toronto or LA's pick, the Clippers. Ends up being the 25th pick. If they had just gotten Toronto's pick, they could have gotten OG Ananobi, but they get the Clippers pick, and I don't even remember who they got. Someone uh, not great. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it it, it was a bad deal. Like It was a bad deal from the get-go. Yeah. for Orlando. I, I went back and read some Reddit posts and it was, uh, everyone was saying like, oh man, what a steal for Presti. Yeah. I want to read you a blog post from Orlando Pinstripe Post. This is one of their fan blogs. Oh, no. just, just a very funny sentence. Moving on from Oladipo shows the team is committed to the likes of Mario Hazonia, Alfred Payton, and Evan Fournier as their backcourt of the future. That should have been a, a warning sign right there. That's that should have been a red flag. That is just like an insurmountable. Microsoft Word thing. should have popped up, like underlined all the, the sentences in red. Like you can't. <laughs> yeah, you the can't paper clip pops something. up. He's like, hey, listen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, oh, the most importantly, God. Andrew, most importantly, after this deal, they asked Kevin Durant what he thinks about it. Mm-hmm. He said, it's a I good know. move. I like Oladipo. So we were like, great. Okay. We're golden. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was that deal. We also did a trade. We gave uh, Denver $730,000 in cash for Daniel Hamilton. Uh, yeah. More importantly, Gross. we gave two 2017 seconds to Denver for Joffrey Laverne. I remember that. King Joffrey. King Joffrey, another guy we were pumped for, another center. Yeah, another, this team. <laughs> another, another big guy that you're like, what is he? <laughs> oh, he's a he's a, a tweener. He's he's oh man, what a weird trade. Now they draft Sabonis, and I think you can clearly say, looking back at that draft, he was obviously oh my the gosh. best pick in that range. The drop off. We talk about how like last year, you know, with uh, Devin Booker at uh, thirteen, and then there's a drop off. You know, it happened with uh, in the past in, in former drafts that we talked about, where it feels like the Thunder are, like one pick or a couple picks away from a really good guy. Yep. After Sabonis, Taurin Prince, Yorgos Papayanis, Denzel Valentine, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Gerson Yabusele, Wade Baldwin, Henry Ellenson. 
that's seven straight picks. And I think Wancho and Touring Prince are the only two of those guys who are still in the league. Yeah. And it's not like they're amazing. Yeah. Well, I remember the Wancho dunk is a movie star. But. He is. I remember the dunk on guys still like during Sabonis' rookie year, which was not good. Just talking so much smack about how they should have taken Wancho. If they are just taking Wancho, things would be so much better. Oh, yeah. Um, he was a big dunk on guy. Yeah. Huge. Uh, some really good picks in like the 20s, though. Like Garris Levert was the 20th pick. Uh, Frickin' Korkmaz was 26. Pascal Siakam, 27. DeJounte Murray, 29. Like, that's okay. Got some hidden gems there. And why that's relevant is because, remember, they had a pick in this draft. It would have been pick number 25, mm-hmm. which they traded in the Dion Waiters trade. It would have been 26. That's where... Frick, 26. Yeah, frickin' Korkmaz. Frickin' Korkmaz. They could have... You know, if they ended up not making that deal for Dion Waiters, which, I, you know, I know there's a lot of big Waiters fans on the call right now. Hello. They would have had a chance to get Pascal Siakam. But, you know, you can't you can't go back in time like that, Andrew. We no, don't need to uh, harp on that. It wasn't no. like they had the pick and passed on him. No, 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 they no. just could have had the pick. They could have yeah. passed on him. <laughs> They probably would have. We'd probably have Scalabissier. Yeah. They honestly would have had Scalabissier, knowing their love for centers during this time. And he was thought of, he was like another Perry Jones III. Yeah. It's Fred. like, this guy is supposed to be a top five pick. Yeah. Somehow he falls to the end of the first round. How could this happen? <laughs> the rich get richer. <laughs> oh my gosh. Damian Jones is in this draft. He was drafted by the Warriors. Like, decent player. He was a 20 year, 20 year old junior. Really? Yeah. That's kind of impressive. Yeah, that's what I thought. Good for him. Um, so, yeah, so that was – obviously, that that was a blockbuster trade. And grading that trade just in the context of this summer, I think, was a good trade. Mm-hmm. But you start grading it in the context of what was to come, and it was one of the most important trades in Thunder history. Oh, yes, without a doubt. Might be – I mean, could you say it's the most important trade in Thunder history? Like positive. I mean, the only other one would be the Kurt Thomas trade. Yeah, I, yeah, that's probably right as far as like positivity goes. But like, you don't get the Kurt Thomas trade without this one. Like, they're all in line, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I do think, um, because yeah, because like you could say the Paul George trade in terms of like star power, obviously a bigger trade. Yeah, but you don't but get the stuff. Have, yeah, you have to have this trade. Yeah. To be able to do that, they're not trading Paul George for Serge Ibaka. I don't think. No, no, I don't think. No, they don't. There's no way that they do. And like a year, yeah. If you just keep Serge, like, what do you get for Serge? I mean, even if they just got Victor Oladipo, so like straight up, you'd have been like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Well, the thing we didn't even mention with Serge is he was going to be an unrestricted free agent the next summer. Yeah. So this was a year before his free agency, and. Knowing the reports afterwards about how he wasn't happy with his role, you have to imagine the Thunders saw the future and knew that he would probably leave next summer if they didn't trade him. Yes, without a doubt. It was one of Sam's best moves. And it like it just it and things just kept getting even better from here. Like you have they to did. you have to do this one to start with. And it was but- it was risky at the time, and like you said looking back it's like holy smokes like i'm really glad they did that trade that's why like when we get to grades for this summer i think people will be shocked because we're about to get into free agency and obviously something really big happened in free agency 
they signed Ronnie Price to <laughs> a two-year the Ronnie Price debacle <laughs> already. <laughs> okay. We're starting off free agency the way it needs to be started off. Okay. They signed Ronnie Price to a multi-year guaranteed contract. Andrew, two years, five million dollars. Yeah. He was going to come in. And be no, we're, we'll start with KD because it, it doesn't make sense to start about Ronnie Price because they, they signed him in the aftermath of Kevin Durant. They did. So yeah. we got to start with Kevin Durant. Andrew, I have come up with a timeline okay. of events for the Kevin Durant free agency period. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, no. Because my recollection, I remember where I was. I was sitting on my couch taking a nap, and so half taking a nap, and I remember. It came across the the tweeter. I keep saying came across. You do. Like it's like a news thing. Came <laughs> the across ticker. the ticker. It came across the ticker. <laughs> uh, and I and I when I saw that he was going to Golden State, I remember my initial reaction was not like shock. By that point, I had kind of felt like things were turning a certain way. Yeah. And we'll see we'll see we'll see with this timeline what I'm talking about. So June twenty fifth, Dean Blevins. Dino, Dean Blevins, records a three-minute video outside. Oh, you put Kevin Durant's science school on the ticker. Nice. Uh, he, he, he records a three-minute video outside in the Oklahoma wind for some reason. <laughs> Terrible audio. <sighs> Terrible audio. He's, he reports that his sources are telling him, don't be surprised if KD not only comes back to OKC, but comes back on a five-year deal. Okay, so that's where we're starting off. June 25th. Remember, it's going to be like another two weeks, another 10 days till we Dino. find out what happens. That's where we start off with. Yeah. June 27th, Woj says that he sees KD returning to OKC on a one plus one deal, then taking a longer view of the future when up with Westbrook in 17. I truly believe that if the cap spike doesn't happen, that is what happens. And it would have been great. And it would have been great. And if you left the next year, fine. And we don't win. Fine. That's fine. That's fine. Fine. Yeah. No big deal. But yeah, you were talking about it. I actually went on Twitter. I found your old tweets. You you were saying that the one plus one makes the most sense, and the reason was because if he did the one plus one, he could then get the ten year veteran max. Yeah. So everyone was thinking one plus one at this point. June thirtieth, Mark Spears writes an article called "Expect a Happy Ending for OKC in Durant's Free Agent Drama." In that article, one of the quotes was. Quote, his decision is 90% made. It would take an amazing oh, sales pitch gosh. to change it, said one of Durant's longtime friends. Remember, remember this? Yes, I remember doing podcasts about this at Luke's old house in, 90%. in the village. We sat there. I remember the 90%. Yep. So that's what we're dealing with. And then same day, June 30th, Mark Stein reports that a, quote, successful meeting with Kevin Durant and his close confidants Thursday has put the incumbent Oklahoma City Thunder in a strong position as Durant moves into meetings with five other free agent suitors. So he meets with the Thunder first, then he goes to the Hamptons, and he's going to meet with the Warriors, the Clippers, the Spurs, the Celtics, and the oh. Heat. I totally forgot about the Spurs. I yeah, not remember him meeting with the Spurs. Yeah, I remember, this, I remember the Clippers and Celtics, but I don't remember the Spurs either. So pre-Hamptons... We're feeling like invincible. We had no reason to not feel good. We can look we back at his we, past we, quotes about how he wants to retire. Remember the Thunder. We look at all the reports. You should be feeling pretty good. But there was this just like pit in my stomach 
when you heard that he was flying out to the Hamptons for these meetings, you were just like, okay, this should go fine. We have a better roster than most of these teams. We should be good. And the whole time you're just thinking, he can't go to the Warriors. Like, he just can't do that, right? Right. They had just lost in seven games to this team. They're up 3-1. As a competitor, like, he, he just can't do that. You know, that's just how you felt the whole time. But as, like, things continue to drag on, you're just like, there, there was like a, there was like more like frantic, you know, checking of like your Twitter and just like, oh my gosh, okay, what, G- give me something else. Like the 90% was great a few days ago. Give me some more juice to make me feel better, you know? Right. Because the image, and, th- and this is what like the whole KD leaving thing comes down to is like the image of KD that OKC Thunder fans had built up in their head was obviously a much different person from who Kevin Durant really was, which is totally fine. Yeah. But like we had this idea of Kevin Durant that clearly was wrong because the, the version of Kevin Durant that exists in our head, he wouldn't even do the Hamptons. No, like that's, a, that's not a Kevin Durant thing. He announced his own extension, his own rookie skill extension on Twitter. Right. So that should have been the first red flag. The fact that he was even doing the Hamptons thing. I know. Like maybe we don't know this guy as well as we think we do. 7-1, July 1st, Chris Broussard. Best tweet that I'm going to read today. <laughs> Kevin Durant and the Clippers met for four hours Friday night, and sources close to the situation say KD was, quote, blown away by the Clips' presentation. <laughs> he was blown away going to the Clips. Same day, July 1st, Chris Broussard. Not surprisingly, KD was noncommittal in meeting with Golden State, Warriors were unable to get a read on which way he was leaning, source says. Yeah, I remember that. It just felt like, you you just can't, of course, he can't do that. He would never do that to us. He can't do this. Yeah. The same day, Andre Iguodala tweets after the meeting, Nah, B. Nah, B. Which everyone interpreted as he's not coming to Golden State. Yeah, like, of course. Of course he would. Or if you look at it a different way, it's like, no way. We're getting Kevin Durant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like maybe that's what it really was. Yeah. July 2nd, Woj. Sources. Kevin Durant <sighs> had been recruiting Al Horford to OKC, but Horford eliminated OKC with no assurance Durant Westbrook staying long term. Yeah. Thunder could have unloaded contracts, including Cantor, to create slot for Horford. Billy Donovan, Durant pitched him, never went far. Now, that's so, kind of an interesting detail right there. I think we rewrite history in that we would have just guaranteed had Al Horford here. But if he takes the one plus one, which is what we thought if he was going to stay is the outcome, they probably right. don't have him. So, Thunder fans, here's one thing that you can take off your mental plate here. Take, take <laughs> it out of your backpack. Take that brick out of your backpack and throw it away. I, the Horford thing is not, was not a guarantee. And if you had taken the one plus one, you can just go ahead and say that Horford wouldn't have been here. So you can can unload that. The Horford guarantee was... So Royce wrote a really long article about the Thunder's pitch. And when they brought him in for that first meeting before the Hamptons, they told him in that meeting, because the idea for them was they were going to try to get him to sign that night and not leave the Hamptons. Because they know if he leaves the Hamptons, bad things could happen. If they could get him to sign tonight, they were immediately going to contact Al Horford's agent. 
But all this was predicated on the idea of him taking a longer term deal, a Dean Blevins style deal. A Dino for deal. Instance. Yep. And so knowing what we know now, it feels like that long term deal was never going to happen because it, it that deal wouldn't have even made sense for KD. That's the whole reason we were talking about the one plus one, because if he was trying to max out his money, you do the one plus one and then get the 10 year vets max the following season. Yeah. So yeah, the Horford thing, Woj said never went far. It feels like that was not as close as we like to imagine. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I, th- I think we would just slam dunk getting Kevin and Horford and Oladipo and everybody all right. on the same team. Yeah. Would have been cool. No doubt. Would have been great. Uh, July 3rd, Mark Stein. ESPN sources say that the Thunder's final pitch meeting to Kevin Durant in the Hamptons has just ended. One man's reading of the tea leaves after six Hamptons meetings. Golden State was and remains the biggest threat to lure Kevin Durant away. So this was July 3rd. And it feels like we're at a point where it is Golden State or OKC. Like, I never thought he was going to Boston, who they were kind of being talked about as, like, a realistic suitor. Yeah. Uh, Not funny in retrospect, but Royce Young got so much hate from Celtics fans at that time. Mm -hmm. Like, bad stuff on his Instagram page. Celtics fans psychos yeah um the, i i don't think he was ever going to go to boston i don't think no. so either i don't think he was ever going to go to the spurs i don't think he was ever going to go to the heat i think that he respects pop i think he respects pat riley and i don't really have a maybe he likes tom brady okay so <laughs> july 4th now it's the day we still at this point don't really know when it's going to happen. Although Chris Broussard on the yeah. second had said it's going to happen in the next 24 to 48 hours. Chris yeah. Broussard at that time, we, we listened to Chris Broussard. We did. Yep. We believed him. And he was right. He was right. Cause it did happen. He releases his, uh, my next journey or whatever it was. Chapter. My next, what was it? Chapter. My next chapter on the player's tribune, pretty short article. Went and read it. Um, <sighs> Woj tweets out in the aftermath process with Durant and Golden State players has been ongoing for months. They sold him on winning multiple titles together, easing Curry load. Draymond's been relentless recruiting Durant this season, made him feel needed. After 3-1 comeback versus OKC, Green went right back at him. And this is when we kind of learned that like this has been in the works for months. Not necessarily that KD was always going to go to Golden State, yeah, but that th- this wasn't something that like Golden State just thought of after they lost the finals yeah ethan ethan sherwood strauss had an article that this was going back to like before the trade deadline of that season like going back to like january february of that season Mm -hmm. golden state had already started recruiting kd because of the spike in the cap yeah because everyone knew knew this cap spike was happening yeah and any team would basically be able to do anything they wanted if they could get the player to agree yeah you could basically get any player that was a free agent. Yeah, it was insane. Uh, do you want to hear Stephen A's reaction to it first? Or yeah, hell you, yeah. Or do you want to hear a fan's reaction to it first? Uh, let's go Stephen A, because I know what Stephen A said. The issue is not about Kevin Durant's character. Kevin Durant is a good dude. He's a great basketball ambassador. He's one of the top three players in the world. It's not about him leaving, because he's perfectly entitled to leave. He's earned the right to do what he wants. We're not casting aspersions on him because we're being hypocritical in terms of, oh, he's unselfish. Oh, it's not about the money. Kevin Durant hasn't been about that. Whereas LeBron had his press conference announcing he was going to South Beach. Kevin Durant, when he signed his initial extension with Oklahoma City, did it on Twitter. He ain't about all of that. We respect it. 
What we're talking about here is you being up 3-1 on the eventual two-time Western Conference champions and at the time the reigning defending NBA champions up 3-1, not once, not twice, but three times, 48 minutes removed from a birth to the NBA Finals. You come up short, and that is the team you leave your team to depart for? That team, that team that you're on the cusp, on the precipice of knocking off. It's the epitome of jumping on a bandwagon. And when you look at LeBron James, don't give me them 66-win season and all of that stuff during the regular season. They went up against Orlando one year and lost to Miguel Petras and Hito Turkoglu and Jameer Nelson and those boys. <laughs> Believe it or not, he continued to go on for a really long time. But just the immediate backlash that hit Kevin, you know, and there were stories that leaked out about how he didn't see this coming, you know? Right. Yeah. And it was, it's just kind of unbelievable because you start to see like Kevin's like almost like self-destructive tendencies that he has that we're seeing like play out over and over again, you know, start to come to life. And he was not the guy that we thought that he was, you know, and, you know, Stephen A, I mean, he, he nailed it. And, you know, what Stephen A said was like a part of the reason why he couldn't stay there. Like he couldn't bear it. And now it's just interesting that he already wants out, um, you know, from the Nets. It's just, it's a, it's a bizarre saga. He's one of the most bizarre players in the history of the league because you look at players that have his talent, you know, like, Kareem and Shaq and Jordan and LeBron, like all those players like won all these titles, you know, and Kevin's got two, but he's got two that people look at and say, hmm, like those weren't, those aren't the same. Like, I don't think all titles should be created equally. I think you have to look at the context of them and he got them with that team and now he's had like the bad injury and like the nets are falling apart. Where's he going to go? What team, what team can acquire him that could instantly be the best team in the league? I think it's, I think Boston is it, but man, um, just, man, it's just bizarre to think about. Yeah. And I, I do wonder what the thunders role in all of this was because part of that narrative around KD was how closely manicured like the entire like OKC Thunder bubble was. Yeah. And still is to to some extent. But like I remember it being such a big deal when it came out that he had tattoos. <laughs> you know, like I do wonder if there was a part of Kevin who like felt safe within like this OKC bubble. Yeah. But as he got older, he kind of felt like he was being like, like he wasn't allowed to fully express himself, which, which that's the way it felt because he goes to golden state immediately starts like just acting different yeah. from what we saw in Oklahoma city. Like he was such a, uh, like a company man in OKC. Yeah, he was. And he became much his own person when he left OKC. Yeah. I mean, I think like the Thunder were his trying own to protect him from himself to a degree with how he deals with the media and how he, and eventually he just wanted to break out of that. You know, which I think is totally understandable, especially at that age. Sure. I mean, 
I've, I've felt that way too, like in in different jobs where you feel like, you know, like this isn't going anywhere. I need something better. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know, like I, the, the only thing that really bothers me in retrospect is the team he chose, which which I think everyone agrees with Without that. Without a doubt. Or, or, or all the Thunder fans agree. Because you hear it in the national well, media. Like, it was it. The, yeah. It was the best choice for Kevin Durant. You'll hear that on the national media That's all the time. Like, it was crap. the best choice. For, yeah. And I, I just don't agree with that. I don't think it was a good choice for him. I don't think it was a good choice for the league. It was a good choice for the Warriors. Yeah. Like they're the ones that came out of this oh, the best. It was only yeah, it was only good for the Warriors. I think Kevin. I think it hurt hurts his overall legacy because I think when people look back at it, it's like of course that team was going to win the title. Are you kidding me? You have Kevin Durant yeah, and Steph Curry and a health a healthy Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. Like yeah, they honestly that era was a disappointment because they didn't win more. Yeah, they they easily should have won three, and they would have won three if the guys they didn't would get injured. Yeah. Um, the the other thing I don't like that the national media says a lot is, you know, if Golden State had won that series against the Cavs, like they 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 take that as like this big turning point. Yeah. In KD's decision, like he wouldn't have gone there if they won. I do not believe that. Yeah. To this day, I still think Kevin Durant would have gone to the Warriors. Well, and I think if Kevin they had, if they'd won, Kevin's showing his hand now because. What teams did he say he wanted to go to today? Like Kevin wants easy rings. Like that's what he wants. You know, he wants an easy ring. He sees that the the Suns have a lot of really good players and a leader already in place in Chris Paul that could help, you know, deliver this team to the promised land. Great. Kevin wants easy rings. He showed that when he went to Golden State. He showed that whenever he moved to the Nets and they formed the super team. That didn't work out, so now he needs to find somewhere else that he can get an easy ring. You know, that's what he that's what he wants. And it's weird because a lot of stars do that, obviously. Sure. Like LeBron has orchestrated multiple versions of this. Yeah, without a doubt. And similar to LeBron, KD was technically successful in his first stop with Golden State. Like he he got two rings. Yeah. So he was good at orchestrating that. It's just Everything, his decisions after that, it, like his career is just so weird post-Warriors. But LeBron is also so much better at crafting the narrative. Like, and also, oh, and also yes. like those were his teams, you know. And the fact, like the fact that he went back to Cleveland and won one, that changed everything for LeBron. Because I think people felt similar, like he was this villain with Miami. And then when he went back... He was like this, like sympathetic hero almost, you know. And then you can think of whatever you want to with him in L.A. But Kevin never had that, you know. He went from, I mean, if he would have come back to Oklahoma City at some point and like won a title here, I think it completely changes everything for Dude, if, for his legacy. If he wins a title in Brooklyn, and they just don't make the Harden trade, and they just win with like Jared Allen and Karis LeVert. Like mm-hmm. I think that would have been enough sure. to change yeah. the narrative around him. Cause he's, he's the man he's the, but also it's just funny. Like he chose a team that doesn't have a very strong fan base too. And that's where I feel like Kevin lies now with, after he's done what he's done to the Nets fan base. It's like who like, I know Kevin has fans, but he doesn't have fans like LeBron does. He didn't have fans like, a lot of these guys do because who where he continues to just like kick the fan bases 
like down like everywhere he goes like what it's just so bizarre it's just so bizarre and i know people are fans of him as a player but who would he call where would he call home you know when his jersey's retired you know like where if when he's in the basketball hall of fame like what's the what's the jersey what's the what's the one that you remember the most I think without like reconciliation with OKC, it'll probably be Golden State. And but, still, you look back at it, and it's like kind of tainted to a degree the way that it all ended. Yeah, you know, Kevin it's, continues to be just like completely self-destructive. Um, you want to hear from a fan? Yeah, someone here from a fan. Do we know? Do I anything anymore? This is trap. This is trap. If I could rip, oh, it might rip. I might be able to rip it. Oh wait, I'm not strong enough. Plan B. Plan B. Let's go. Let's go. Rip it. Rip it. Trash. 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 It's all. It's all trash. You're all trash. You're all trash. This is the last time I ever want to see 35 on my jersey, on my shirt, ever again. Thank you, Kevin Durant, for not being the person you ever been. Thank you for not being the person you've always said you are, and thank you for betraying all of Oklahoma and every fan there is. You were up 3-1, and then you lost to the Warriors. Now you're joining the team that just beat you. Okay, Kevin Durant, sounds good. I'll okay see you later. Well, that was really uh, well produced. Never wants to see 35 on the Thunder jersey. He must have not been a, a fan of PJ Dozier. <laughs> he must have not been. Funny thing about Dozier. Oh, I just loved it. There, I mean, it's like an eight-minute-long video. That whole thing is. Oh, good lord. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. I was uh, perusing YouTube very early this morning, and that <laughs> watched that a couple times. See, it was unbelievable. Man, the the part the part I struggle with is that. Who's to blame for us thinking that Kevin Durant was this other person? Because, mm-hmm. like, I think we immediately blame Kevin, obviously. Like, that's what most Thunder fans do. Like, yeah. he was putting on some show for us. Yeah. And that's the part that I just can't get completely with. Like, I just think there were so many other factors at play. Yeah. I with mean, Kevin he, Durant in he Oklahoma City. He didn't have to say, like, I want to be here for the rest of my career. Like, he didn't have to say that kind of stuff along the way. You know, yeah. I mean, a lot of guys do that. I I don't. I a don't player know. Player of his I, magnitude, though, like you have to be, you have to be more careful about what you say. You know, with regards to stuff like that. I just like Tim Duncan like demanded a trade to Orlando. Like there are no there other than Steph. Really, there is no like perfect superstar. Yeah, and so I I don't I still do, that part of it just doesn't bother me. Like I, I put more blame on myself for just kind of buying into the narrative because that's what it was. Like we, we, we were sold a story and we bought it. And yeah. we now know that like all of these stories are carefully crafted by these guys, you know, PR teams or, or yeah. with their, the shoot companies they work with. Oh, yeah, that's true. And so like, yes, in some respects, we were like taken for a ride by this like narrative that was built up around Kevin Durant. But nowadays, like I don't think I would fall for that as easily like yeah. i'm smart enough now to know that the most likely scenario is that shea gilgis alexander does not end his career in oklahoma city yeah that is very unlikely just it's... looking at the history of the league we thought russell westbrook would be the most likely person in thunder history to finish his career in the mm-hmm. thunder and even russ didn't stay in okc so i have yeah. like no illusions now 
I fully expect that Shea is going to leave this team at some point. I fully expect like basically anyone who's on the team to leave at some point because yeah. that type of player is so rare, is so rare. And yes, we thought we had one of those guys in Kevin Durant. I mean, really, it's like Steph and Dirk and Tim Duncan. Those yeah. are like the guys. Yeah, those are the guys. And I, they, I, I, I think that they, the hope was that he would be that guy too, you know. And you, you just wonder. I mean, maybe he does stay if the Thunder, you know, go to the finals, even if they don't win the title. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, man. It it's a it's a tough one because you think about even if they don't have Al Horford, like you just think about the team and how well they're set up for the future. Because like you get Victor Oladipo, who's just like starting to like scratch the surface of the kind of player he can be. Uh, you have Demonis Sabonis coming off the bench who would just help continue on like how good this team was, you know, moving in the future. Um, it was tough, but uh, you want to move on to, to Westbrook? Uh, yeah. So first we should say that uh, Royce did report that Katie ate at BOA steakhouse in LA with Russ and Nick Collison. Yeah. Uh, reports have come out suggesting Westbrook style of play influenced Durant to leave though. Durant publicly de- denied that in Vegas recently. The two have not spoken since Durant's decision. Those close to Westbrook say he's both angry and hurt, not only by Durant's decision to leave, but also because Durant didn't even call him to tell him personally. Yeah. And Royce did clarify that KD did not tell Russ that he was coming back. So Royce had gone on to Hoop Collective and said that KD at that steakhouse dinner had told Russ he was coming back. He later clarified that that was Russ's perception, but that KD never actually said, hmm. I'm definitely coming back. Don't hmm. worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um so that's just kind of setting up what's about to happen in three weeks. It's so funny because reading back, we really only had these, these three week, this three-week period before he signed the extension, and it was like, oh, okay, we know what our future is. Yeah. During that three weeks, there were surprisingly more calls to blow it up than I remembered. Yeah. And I, I retweeted that tweet that I was searching your old tweets. Um, and, and you had tweeted. Probably a lot of um, dumb I'm, stuff I'm, in there. Oh, gosh. Uh, I'm going to read out. Is, so this is July 4th, 2016, the yeah. day that KD leaves. Yeah. You say, a possibility is keeping Russ and trading for a star. OKC still has a lot of young assets. Blowing it all up isn't the only good option. Now, first of all, Tank tank Man over here, can you believe what he's saying out here, folks? Un- unbelievable. I know. We have a chance to tank, and Andrew's steering the other way. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's tough, though. Like, you know, you have Russ who's in his prime. You know, we're not talking about like a 20-year-old or 24-year-old Russ or whatever, where it's like, okay, we could, you know, possibly just try to dismantle this thing around him. Like, this was like a Russell Westbrook that was ready to go. And like, you just, I don't know. You, I think they did the right thing. They didn't get the results that they wanted ultimately, but, you know, I think that you yeah, have to I, try. It's, it's, uh, reading back what, KD leaving what that effect was on the city at large and then trying to factor in them then trading Russell Westbrook like it really would have been apocalyptic for the franchise I think so too to lose, I to lose those two guys in one summer I think so too it's and it changes Westbrook's career because I we don't know who trades for him and what that looks like does he become like Mr. Triple Double does he win an MVP does he become I mean he be, he was like felt like almost immortal that ne- that next year with what he was able to do. Yeah. You know, it was, does he have that? I mean, it's, 
it was the best thing for everybody to have that year. You know, even though it didn't, you know, deliver them even a, a first round series win. Like it was the best thing for the city. I think it, you know, the Thunder had experienced so much success early on, so fast. And hadn't really, it felt like we had lived like a 30-year NBA life in a decade, you know, with what most teams would go through in like a 30-year window. The Thunder went through it in 10. Um, and, you know, the Westbrook portion was is a huge part of that story. And so, quickly before we get to his like announcement, so they had to do something though to be able to make this deal work. They had to rescind Dion Waiters' qualifying offer and make him an unrestricted free agent, who then signed with Miami on a one-year, two point nine million dollar deal. Yeah, which I just thought was funny because like we traded a first for him a, like a year ago, and he is now signing a one-year, two point nine million deal. Now, to his credit, he does really well in Miami that first year. He ends up signing a four-year, fifty-two million dollar deal yeah. on summer. So, oh, Dion I gotta, is set. I got to go back to the Russ press conference. To a question that Anthony Slater asked him, do you have okay. this? I have the. Video. Uh, no, I don't. Okay, yeah, here's the video. Did did the fact that not only Kevin left, but it was to Golden State, did that make it sting even more? Sting for who? <laughs> you? Uh, man, listen. Uh, I understand free agency. I understand uh, you know have an opportunity to go where we need to go, but. Um, uh, once that happened, I, I told Sam, what's next? And to me, that's just my mentality to be able to find out now what's the next thing we need to do to help our team win. And that's all I'm worried about is to be able to find ways for us to come in and, and figure out how we can continue to win game and be uh, a great organization. Here's the thing. Russell Westbrook is a genius, okay? Russ knew. Russ sees this moment. He probably requested to have a giant press conference. And to be able to to do all this, Anthony Slater like just threw him an alley oop, you know, in that press conference. And Slater, it's funny you can't you can like barely hear him say it, but he asked him if it stung for him. He's like, stink for who? Right. And he was like, uh, you, <laughs> you know. Uh, shout out to Slater, that was awesome. But Westbrook but- knew exactly what to do in this moment. He was gonna be the hero, you know. He's like, I mean, it's it's unbelievable what he did in that moment. He knew that he could take this city and like put it on his back. And every like that's this is like the beginning of like cementing Russ as the greatest Thunder player. You know, he's not I don't think he's the best, but he's like the greatest. Like when you think about the Thunder, you think about Westbrook. And it's like this moment that started to cement that. And then with his play the next year was better than anyone could have ever imagined. But still, like th- these moments, like he's setting himself up to be the guy that a lot of Thunder fans still have as their Twitter avatar. And they continue to defend him to this day when you can't really defend Russell's play on the court this past year or whatever. But people still continue to do it because of moments like this. Like these are the moments that just like his name is like written on the hearts of Thunder fans because of stuff like this. And you can almost in that clip. When, when the fans start cheering after he says for who, you can almost see like Russ absorbing the power. Like he's, oh, he's yeah. realizing how much power he has because I remember that. And it's such a great scene because they, they I think it was at the Chesapeake center and they yes. like line up fans. And there were so many fans there 
And of course, it's like in the middle of July. It's like super hot out there. And Russ gets to walk down all of these fans who are just like cheering on. And that like emotional release of everything that happened with KD three weeks prior to have a superstar choose you yeah. and let you know that like you, you are valuable. Yeah. Like people do want to play here. And like, I like you like that's, that's what it is because I mean, we've talked about it from going back to the, the boomtown book, how like so much of Oklahoma city's identity is kind of like this feeling like they're being overlooked or like people aren't taking them seriously enough and there's all these examples throughout the city's history where it feels that way. Like, you know, going back to like wanting to get the NHL here and the NHL was kind of like playing with us the entire time. And so to have this moment where like a legitimate global superstar is telling you that you're good enough was like a very big moment for the city. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like that's, that's the piece, like more than any other thing. Like obviously we love the way he played on the court and all that, but that was the piece that ultimately mattered the most especially because like I had talked about, like we had been sold this idea about Kevin Durant and we had this idea in the head and that gets shattered on July 4th. And then it turns out that like, Oh, there is someone who actually does believe in all the things that, that we thought that we had been building up. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we also have to mention the, the Westbrook cupcake. Uh, Was that Instagram? Where did he post that at? Yeah, I think that was Instagram. Yeah, that he posts on Instagram. I'm trying to pull it up here so people can see it in the stream. But it was <laughs> so this like cryptic like jab at Kevin, you know, that they were called like if you were soft, you they called you a cupcake. And that became like that became a thing for this next season where we had literally a cupcake mascot. At Kevin Durant's return game, you know, and he posts this. I think it has 35 cupcakes on it. It's like just mastermind stuff from Westbrook that we just, he just continued to embody everything about the way the fan base felt. And it was cathartic for us to watch him play the next year. I know we're just talking about the offseason, but man, to have that the season that we did, it felt like, oh my gosh, are they even going to make the playoffs? Like, what does this team look like? What's the future of the franchise? Like, this is terrible. And then Westbrook suddenly makes them this like legitimately good team, and you're just like, wow, this is. Uh, it was everything that the that the fan base needed. Everything you know, Westbrook, you know, gave it to us uh, that following year. Big league city. Big League City. Uh, okay, so the final thing we got to talk about, I alluded to it earlier. One of Pressy's arguably worst moves of all time, even though it like, ultimately didn't matter that much, although it sort of did. He signed Ronnie Price to yeah. a multi-year contract. Yeah. Guaranteed two years, $5 million. Signed him in August. Waived him in October. The reason he waived Ronnie Price, who was just a- another in the long line of old veteran point guards yeah. on the Thunder, he, was, he would have been playing backup, whatever. Actually, he would have been playing third point guard because campaign was still healthy at that time. But they did it because of Samaj. Yep. Samaj Kristen. Now, mm-hmm. Samaj Kristen apparently had an amazing summer league in Orlando, but I actually went up and found the stats. Andrew. Mm-hmm. Now, this was in Orlando Summer League. 
In Orlando Summer League, he averaged almost 16 points per game, almost seven assists per game, three rebounds per game, a steal and a block per game. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Pretty amazing raw numbers. Shot 12.5% from three on 1.6 attempts per game. Shot 33.8% right. from the field. Wow. And had four over four turnovers per game. But... You know, you're not worried about his offense. It's I like, thought it. I thought he, it more had to do with preseason than summer league. Oh, was it preseason? Maybe it was preseason. Because I remember they made the decision in preseason, and that I I think it was a Billy Donovan decision. Well, I mean, in some respects, it absolutely helped the Thunder because the on-off differential between Russell Westbrook being on the court and off the court which ended up being part of the narrative for his MVP his campaign. Yeah, just the worst player in the league to the best player in the league, you know. Might not have been possible without Samaj. And also, he, On the other hand, he got him the triple-double record, too, right? He, he did. Because he yeah. hit that three, that corner three. On the other hand, like, if they have just a guy, just name a backup point guard. Let's say Ronnie Price. Okay, Ronnie, I mean, he was very old at that point. Let's just say Ronnie Price. Let's just... <laughs> Maybe they win more than a game against the Rockets in the playoffs. Because yeah. when Russ was on the court, the on-off was like... Or, or the the difference was like very, very good. Yeah. Very let's good. Say, let's say they, they, won all, they won those minutes. Yeah. When he was not on the court, they did not win those minutes. No. They didn't even play Samash in that series very much, I don't think. Uh, so I'm going to go look up. I don't think you – maybe if they did, it was the beginning of the end for Billy. Beginning of the end for Billy. Uh, man, Samaj was definitely um, – Hoopsock69 said that he was the bane of my existence. <laughs> he definitely was. I was very I was very uh, early on as like Samaj is probably the worst player in the NBA. He played <laughs> – you, you got on the hype train early. He played 15 minutes per game – Average two points, one rebound, two assists. That fifteen minutes felt like a thousand minutes. Um, yeah, he was just not not oh, a wow. not a good player. In the preseason, you mentioned yeah, shot forty nine percent from the field, thirty three percent from three. Hey, there it is. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So in the in that playoff series against Houston, he played thirteen minutes in game one, and I was just about ready to die. Um, game two, he played six minutes, and then he was inactive for the for the last three games. Oh wow! I mean, I, I remember that series as wanting them to play Oladipo as the backup point, which yeah. they eventually did. I think in game five. I remember the whole freaking season wanting them to stagger Russ and Oladipo, and they decided not to. They trade Oladipo, and it turns out like, oh, Victor Oladipo would have been perfect as the guy. To to spell Westbrook, huh? Yeah. Huh. 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 <laughs> uh, so that brings us to the end of 2016. You know, in retrospect, very. I mean, obviously gets the 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 claim and a fame because of the the, the claim and a fame for, because of Kevin Durant. Yeah. But there was so much else that went on. We didn't even mention they signed Alex Sabrinas to a multi-year contract. Yeah. They. Uh, 
this is not included in the offseason because it happened after the season started, but they also signed Steven Adams to that four-year $100 million deal. Yeah. They also signed Victor Oladipo to a four-year $84 million deal. Yeah, I remember. being very important. We'll, get, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on this. I won't even say it. Never mind. Never mind. Okay, so Andrew, what is your grade for the 2016 offseason? The Thunder did everything they could do within their control this offseason. That's kind of how I feel. The Ronnie Price thing for Samaj is definitely a, uh, a black eye. I'm going to talk about a black sure. eye of the league signing Samaj over a guy that's not good anyways, but having just money sitting on your books was weird. Um, is it weird to say B minus? That's actually where I was going to end up as well. Because because it's the Oladipo trade. It's it's the Surge Ibaka trade. Like that's That to me... We are not and getting sitting Westbrook here. to resign. Yes, and yes, we're not sitting here. Yeah, with both of those, with both of those moves, we're not sitting here today with one of like the most historically crazy rebuilds in the history of the league. We are left with a very normal. We've got to get lucky or else rebuild. Yeah, it's not only that, but like, if if you're like, well, how is this not an F? Because they lost Kevin Durant. Like, what could have they have done this offseason to change it? Like, yes, I agree. There are decisions they made in previous summers that we talked about that probably contributed to the fact the team not being good enough. Draft, but Devin, you know, find a way the, to get Devin Booker. Find a way to draft Giannis. Like, yes, there are ways that you could go back and like. But with what but the they cap had, spike, the yeah. cap, a once in a lifetime scenario that just happened to line up. Yeah. When the when the superstar on the small market team happened to come up for free agency, and it was only because of the players' association not wanting to smooth the cap, not wanting to agree to anything with the league, yeah. that you even had this opportunity. And then maybe you believe that he wouldn't have gone to the Warriors if they had won the title. Okay, well then that's another thing. The fact that they were one nut shot away from likely beating the Cavs, Draymond Green not being suspended. Yeah. And they could have won that series, and maybe that is enough to dissuade Kevin Durant. And maybe he go, you know, maybe he does leave. Maybe he goes to Miami or or Boston or whatever. But it, it maybe doesn't add end up the exact same. All of those make me feel like, at least for this summer, it's hard for me to be too hard on OKC because one, I thought they did a really good job leading up to it with that surge trade. Oh, it was great. And then they did a really good job in terms of stabilizing the franchise by getting Westbrook to sign. And maybe Westbrook was always going to sign. Mm -hmm. But there was that three-week period. Who knows? I'm sure it came up in their heads, like, do we need to trade Russ now? Because he's, at that point, was going to be an unrestricted free agent the following summer in 2017. So they obviously had to make a decision. They couldn't afford to lose both of these guys for nothing. Yeah. So the way they hand they bookended this obviously awful thing that I feel like they didn't have a lot of control over at that point. Mm-hmm. That's that's why they get the B minus. Yeah, yeah. It's the the moves that they did. You know, you wish oh maybe gosh. they did that the year prior or something. But Andrew, hmm. I'm on cleaning the glass. What percentage of his minutes do you think Victor Oladipo played at point guard that season, 2016-17? I don't know, five percent, three percent. <sighs> yeah, disastrously right. bad, you know. And Vic had an injury halfway through that season, but man, just stagger the boys. That's all you had to do. Anyways, whatever. All right. <sighs> uh, 
you know what? We made it through this podcast. I think 2016 took us over an hour in itself to get through. And if you've made it this far, wow. Then you, you then you're getting rewarded with next summer, 2017, a yeah. great summer. It's a great summer. One of the best summers in Thunder history, without a doubt. What a and fun, honestly, what 2018 a is fun. 2019 is fun. There's it's just kind of all. It's all fun from here on. It's out. all we're yeah. This is this is the downward slope here. We're we've we've trudged through the difficulties. So um, yeah. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars only, please. Uh, if you'll write the review, we'll see it. We'll read it would be very much appreciated. I uh, hope you guys have a great rest of your week. We will talk about the schedule release on Friday. You guys will, maybe by the time you're listening to this, you will know some of the schedule. Um, but yeah, hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Uh, who? How should we end this? Should we end this with uh, a Westbrook press conference, a Thunder fan, Kyle Singler? Who should we end? Mm. How should we end this thing? Singler. Singler. All right. <laughs> Hope you guys have a thriving rest of your week. Oh, yeah. I want to be back for sure. Um, this is the type of environment that I think I thrive in. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.